Pete McCall. Welcome to episode 107 of All About Fitness. For this episode, I'm going to break my protocol a little bit. When I do these interviews and when I put content out there, especially for the podcast, I try to make it evergreen so you can listen to it at any time. It's not really going to be dated. But since I'm the executive producer, the host, the social media person, the writer, all this, <laughs> since I do everything for the podcast, what I'm going to do uh, for the next two episodes is I'm interviewing some really just cool, dynamic, intelligent, just really young female superstars in the fitness business. These are, you know, today for this episode, I'm interviewing Shauna Verstegen. Shauna is really, I, I've gotten to know her a little bit. We're both master trainers together for the American Council on Exercise, but I'm just, I'm a big fan of hers from afar. First of all, she's another professional athlete. I've only had a couple on the show and she, she competes in a really cool sport. She does lumber jill. She's a, she does a, the log rolling and the boom running. She also was somebody that uh, walked on to become a track athlete and ended up getting a scholarship. She just is a really cool, really outgoing young lady. And the reason why I interview her is she has a young kid, and obviously we're coming up to Mother's Day. And not only does she have a young kid, but she's pregnant with her second, and she's been able to stay in shape with that. And so what we talk about today, what Sean and I talk about today, is her background in fitness, how she got interested in it. And, and what really fascinates me is how she got interested in lumberjack competitions, Obviously, you have to be from the right area, and growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, helped a little bit, but I just think it's such a cool sport. We also talk about the fact that she starred on a, a reality TV show, not starred, but she uh, took part in a reality TV show, and she's just done some really cool stuff. What I wanted to do with this episode was to, to bring you an interview with a fit mom, someone who's a trainer, someone who's a coach, who, but who also understands the challenge it can be to try to take care of your family and making time for taking care of yourself as well. So after a brief word from the sponsor of All About Fitness, my conversation with Shauna Verstegen, personal trainer, master trainer, wife, daughter, and mother. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? The TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning. The TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www.vicorefitness.com and use code AAF, that's all about fitness, AAF, to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and I'm speaking today with Shauna Verstegen. Shauna, can you give us a little background about what you do and, and the role you play in the fitness industry? Oh my gosh. Um, I am a master instructor for TRX and also a master instructor for the American Council on Exercise. And I have been in the industry for over 20 years now. I've been a fitness director of a small gym in Madison, Wisconsin called Supreme Health and Fitness. Um, yeah, for about 20 years and, and personal training and teaching group fitness and loving every minute of it. 
Well, you're being kind of humble, Shauna. And, you know, just for <laughs> listeners, you know, Shauna and I don't know each other extremely well. I mean, I'll, we know each other well, but not more for the, would you agree more through social media? I would agree. Yeah. First through ACE and then, uh, and then through social media, which is fantastic. That's what I love about social media is connecting with people and getting ideas and sharing laughs. You know, I always describe it as kind of like a big cocktail party where I might interact, you know, it's like I might drop, you, I might see something posted on your wall. I might drop a little comment to it, but then we won't communicate for, I don't know, maybe a month, two months, three months. Mm-hmm. But when we do, I, you know, we try to keep it positive. But one of the reasons, I, a couple of reasons I want to speak to you today, what's going on in your life right now, Shauna? Why you, we were just talking about this before I hit the record button. What's happening in your life? I am knocked up right now, Pete. <laughs> I love your brevity. I love your brevity. I love some of those posts. So knocked up. What are you doing? Is this your first or second? I am pregnant and uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) You're pregnant and uncomfortable. Ooh. And how many more months do you have? I still have three more months to go. So you're doing July, right? Yeah. And how old's your your first kid? My son is going to be three in a few months. Now let me ask you a question. Do you include your husband, Peter, in that? Is he in terms kid? of, is he a kid that you have to kind of watch? And oh, manage? absolutely. Well, you know what? Though? We're all kids and that's what makes it fun. So <laughs> I, and luckily he doesn't need too much caregiving. In fact, it's really the other way around. He's been a rock star. And now he works in fitness with you, right? Do you guys work for yeah, the same place? Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a personal trainer at the, the gym that I'm a fitness director at. And he's also a massage therapist. And if you ever want to make it in life, you just marry a massage therapist or a plastic surgeon and you are good to go, man. So does he, does he take care of you when you get beat up, uh, uh, beat up at work? I'm so lucky. Yeah. And especially being pregnant, it's really fantastic to have some of those aches and pains worked out. Well, a couple of things I want to talk to you about a little bit about your athletic background and what you've done. And then, um, what I really want to get into Sean, as I mentioned, uh, setting this up is I want to talk about. The, the, the advice that you can give for moms out there, especially, you know, people that might be either might pregnant be or think about getting pregnant and how they can fit exercise into that. So quick little, give us a little background about what do you do as an athlete? Cause I think it's so fascinating. <laughs> I am a six time world champion lumberjack athlete. So I'm a professional log roller and boom runner, which not everybody knows much about. Well, you're from Wisconsin, right? So is this, is this kind of like baseball in Wisconsin? Everybody, every kid grows up playing on logs. It's more common. Um, it's more common, at least the sports, the lumberjack sports I do, the water sports, are more common where the river drives used to take place over 100 years ago. So Canada, um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the Pacific Northwest, um, a bit in the Northeast. And, and then the chopping and sawing events, which you see a little bit more of on TV, are worldwide. Um, so, yeah, if you stay up late enough and watch ESPN 8, you'll see me at 2 o'clock in the morning. ESPN 8? Is that what you said? Yeah. Do they have the Ocho? I don't know. That, no, that's, a, that's pretty cool. How'd you get started in that, though? I think, that, I think it's fascinating. And, and, oh, it's a blast. Now, how'd you get started, though? Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, um, my parents basically gave me the YMCA program and said, sign up for whatever classes you want. And... Our local YMCA, we have some programs and pools and camps and stuff, and now we have an awesome program at our local lake that had a log rolling program, and I thought it looked really cool, and it was kind of a coincidence that my dad is a forestry professor as well, so I signed up for it, absolutely loved it, and I loved traveling around all over the North Woods and competing, and it was just a great community of people. It's a, it's a small sport, so we all kind of get to know each other pretty well, and um, I was terrible at it. I didn't win my first world championships until I was 26 or 27 years old. Um, but just just the pure joy of the sport and of being outside and, and getting better all the time uh, makes it such an awesome sport for anybody who wants to participate. 
Well, how do you train for a sport like that? Obviously, there's time in the water, but what do you do off water or, or, or how can yeah. people train for log rolling? It's very hard to be sport specific for training for log rolling. And really what we tell people, obviously you want to be strong. Um, the females, it's more of an endurance based sport. Um, if you think about it, what, what the sport of log rolling is, is you have two people in a log and, uh, the log starts out, we start on a bigger log. It's 15 inches in diameter. You can't touch across the center line. You have to use your, use your leg strength and endurance and technique to basically knock your opponent in the water. Um, the men are a little bit more aggressive. They're really pushing and pulling. It's basically like boxing without touching. The women kind of ride it out a little bit more and, and basically wait for the opponent to get tired. And once you're tired, you no longer have control over your footwork. So our off-water training is a lot of strength training because you want to have strong legs, um, a lot of agility, a lot of balance, clearly, because you have to be able to stay on this log that's as small as 12 inches in diameter if you misstep your games all over. And actually like a lot of hill sprints in interval type training, because it's very similar. Basically, it's like you're sprinting really hard and then you get a few seconds to recover and then you're sprinting really hard and you get a few seconds to recover. But the best form of training is actually spending time on the log in the water because it's very hard to mimic. And is that easy to do? I mean, do you have practice lakes and everything up in Wisconsin? We have a program here in Madison called Madison Log Rolling. And it's been such a joy. We have about 300 rollers on this lake in Madison called Lake Wingra. And it's so much fun. We teach classes every day out on the lake. And you have kids and adults and um, people. Some people just come and play during the summer because it's a fun sport to do. Some people are quite competitive and they travel with our competitive team and, and compete around the state or around the Midwest. Um, but what, what's so cool about it, what I absolutely love is... It's a sport that's so unique that people who don't necessarily consider themselves athletes or, or may feel left out in gym class, they come and try it, and it's very hard to learn. The first time, everybody stinks. Even the most elite athlete will be horrible at it. And every time you get a little better, you stay in a log for one second the first day, then three seconds the second day, then 30 seconds, and, and so on. So you're continuously getting this positive feedback and start to feel a little better about your physical self. And it's so cool seeing these kids come out of their shell and and learn to love sports by doing something so unique and enjoying the outdoors. That is pretty cool. And at what age did you pick it up? I mean, were you pretty young or is it something you yeah, got into older? I started at the age of seven and we have all different ages. Like I said, our youngest is four, our oldest is 70. Uh, but most of the people in the professional ranks started when they were kids because it, it is an acquired sport. It takes a while to learn how to stay in the log by yourself before you start competing against others. And then, and so as a professional, I mean, is there much money to be made or is it just kind of like that's the highest level in, in the sport? <laughs> not a lot of money. Um, so you're not getting NBA money? You don't have a, you don't I, have a couple I, of Bentleys you know, in the garage? I, covering my travel expenses, if I do well. Uh, um, it, back in the day when we had the ESPN Great Outdoor Games, the, uh, the money was maybe a little bit higher. It really depends on, on who the sponsors are and what type of media coverage we're getting and stuff like that. But no, you're not going to make a living on competing as a professional log roller. Well, how does it feel to be a world champion, though, let alone a six-time world champion? It's, it feels really, really good. And what I love about, especially my journey, is... I did, I did not start, I'm not a natural athlete and I, I started off not doing well. In fact, you know, the kids that remember me, I don't even know if I won a log rolling match for years and years, but I had so much fun with it and I loved it so much. And it was my time away from other stresses and things in my life to just go and be outside and be physical. And it's what made me really love athletics and sports. And I feel like if you love something enough and you enjoy doing it enough, you're going to be good at it. I mean, I mean, look at some of the top fitness professionals. We're not, we're clearly not in this to make tons of money. Uh, Wait, what? They're not? 
<laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Maybe you're rich, but I'm not. No, not um, at all. But if you if you love what you do, then you get better at it, and because you really you put your whole time and focus and energy into that. Well, that said, how did you get into fitness then? I mean, was it was it your love of log rolling or your love of athletics that kind of led you down that path, or what what got you into the fitness world? Yeah, I'll try to give you the abbreviated story. Um, starts off as a sad story, but ends up quite happy. My mom was diagnosed with a neurological brain disorder called Huntington's disease, and they found out she had this when I was about five or six years old. And we knew the next fifteen years she would deteriorate and eventually pass away from this this neurological brain disease that takes your ability to walk and talk and basically care for yourself. So I knew that my childhood was going to be spent taking care of my mom and my parents wanted to make sure I had as normal of a life as possible. So they made sure that every day after school, I had two to three hours dedicated to sports and activities where I could be away from caregiving, be away from the stresses at home and just be me. And that's where I picked all these sports and that became my joy, my passion, because that was where I got to be me and not have to focus on mom or, or my chances of having the disease and so on. And my dad saw this and it was so cool that he embraced it so early. Uh, when I was a kid, he was like, you know, there is a job where you can help other people exercise. And for Take Your Daughter to Work Day, he's a professor at the University of Wisconsin. He would bring me to the kinesiology department and oh, let cool. me meet professors as like an eight-year-old. And... Um, so at that young of an age, I like I thought he was kidding at first. I was like, really, it's a job to exercise with people. And um, but then I got to meet these professors and see the department. And I knew from that really young age that that's exactly what I wanted to do. And that's what I wanted my major to be. And I feel really lucky because I see a lot of people who, you know, are, are doing their cubicle job and don't love it and 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 realize that this was their passion and, and have to take that turn. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do know how lucky I am that I started early knowing what I wanted to do and be. Well, that is pretty lucky. So that's, I mean, you said you've been doing this for 20 years and, and you shared your age with me. So you started at a pretty young age. Did you work yeah. as a trainer during college or? The day I turned 18, I got my uh, ACE personal trainer certification. Oh, really? And, okay. <laughs> yeah, so was that 1998? Like, that was age or something, yeah. Was that 1998 so, when you did that? You got it, yeah. Okay, so we got certified the same year then. Interesting. Same, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I did some person, not a lot. I did track and field at the university of Wisconsin. So I didn't have a lot of time for personal training, but I did, uh, I did do some and, and kind of got my foot in the door at, at the gym that I'm still at. Well, let's, let's pause there for a second. You did track and field at the university of Wisconsin. That's the division one school, Shauna. It's not like you can just walk on and do it. What sport did no. you do? This is more of a timing thing. I was the first female pole vaulter at the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and, and again, it, it was a bit of timing now. With the heights I got back then, I probably wouldn't even make it on the team now. But um, I was on the boys track team in high school, um, primarily because they said, you can't pole vault, you're a girl. And so the second you tell somebody who's motivated they can't, they're going to try to do it. So we wrote letters to the Wisconsin Athletic Association and they let me compete as a boy. Really? And, this is the nineties. Uh, I would have thought, I would have thought they would have had. Know, they were behind because in California girls were already, already, already vaulting and it was a regular thing. And I went to pole vault camps over the summer and there were plenty of girls, but it was still kind of a new thing in Wisconsin and in the big 10. I know, but it does date me a little bit. People are like, really? They used to not let girls do this. And, um, 
but I was a gymnast as, as my other, my other big sport was gymnastics all growing up. And so pole vault was a natural fit and timing just worked out really great where it was the first year they needed a vaulter. So uh, I got to be a D1 scholarship athlete at the University of Wisconsin, which is a cool experience all on its own. That sounds, that sounds pretty awesome. And did you enjoy, I mean, were you, what was it like to be a part of that athletic community? Because Wisconsin has some pretty big programs in terms of football and basketball. Did you interact much with all the other sports or did they keep the track and field kind of separate in your own area? Nope. We were with right in there with everybody else. And, and I attribute again, I mean, every little step in my journey, I attribute toward what I do for a job. Now I learned so much in those four years and training with the football players and the rowers and the soccer athletes and spending time in the athletic training facility, rehabbing injuries. I mean, all of that stuff, um, led to where I am today as a fitness pro. I was able to learn what's good, what's not good, what worked, what didn't work as an athlete. And well, that's exactly what I want to ask. How much time do you spend in the training room, like in the strength room? I mean, was that something you gravitated to naturally? Because, and I asked this, Shauna, because sometimes I find the people that are really good natural athletes don't particularly care about training. They just want to be out doing the activity as opposed to, like, I wasn't a great athlete, so I could excel in the weight room. <laughs> I excelled mm-hmm. in the weight room and kind of just muddled around on the on the field a little bit. But and how much did that influence what you're doing now? Oh, that's another good. You're just having me dig up all these great stories. Um, well, keep in mind again, I was not a natural athlete. None none of my accomplishments came naturally. I, I really don't think um, my strength training journey began in high school as part of my interest in kinesiology. And I was the only girl in the weight training class. And of course, there's always that one teacher that kind of sits in your mind of somebody who really changed your direction. And he saw how interested I was in weight training and strength training and learning more about kinesiology. So uh, he told me to come in and lift with the football players at 6am in the morning. So that's oh, what wow. I started doing in high school. It was it was me and the football players. And, you know, I learned some good, some bad, but it was really a great scene to start my weight training experience back in high school. And then in college, yeah, in track and field, they take your, your time in the weight room very seriously. That's a major part, especially for, for jumpers and sprinters. Uh, well, I mean, for everybody now, but we spent a lot of time in the weight room and again, furthered my learning experience. Cool. And so now as you got into, into fitness, do you specialize with any type of population with any type of client or are you, or do you consider yourself a generalist? Um, I do. I, and again, a bit of a generalist because I'm at a, a regular health club. Uh, but it's kind of fun. I fall into this niche that I'm absolutely in love with of young girls, of teenage girls. A lot of them have started coming to me. And I think it's so cool because I have had some of the most awesome success, success stories, much better than, you know, weight loss success stories and stuff like that. But these girls who didn't like gym class, didn't like sports, were shy, um, and through strength training and through finding physical activities they enjoy kind of came out of that shell. And it was really fun with all these girls to watch the pairing of, of growing as a person and becoming more confident and strong in, in life and also mapping that to what they were doing in the weight room and what they were doing in the fitness center. And so that's my true passion, my true genre. Obviously, through having a baby, I've had a lot of pre-postnatal clients as well and, and a lot of moms too. Well, let me ask you a question because it seemed to happen when my wife was pregnant with, with our two kids. All of a sudden, other women would kind of gravitate to her fitness classes. Has that helped you like <laughs> during both your pregnancies? And I mean that. Have women kind of come up to you and, and, and said to you, because my wife heard this quite a bit, Shauna, she's like, wow, I see you doing this. So it made me feel more comfortable about getting pregnant and being able to exercise during it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think all pregnant women kind of have this unspoken like sisterhood. <laughs> like, are you miserable? Yeah, I'm pretty miserable. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, is it? Well, well, let's pause on that because I was telling a friend this who, whose kid, his, his kid's like three months old. I saw him at, uh, at, at Ursa the other day. And I was talking to him because I found when our babies were little or we'd be at the park, you'd be having these intimate conversations with people you didn't know. You'd be talking uh-huh. about cleaning things up. You'd be talking about all these things without really knowing, um, without, you know, really knowing these people, all of a sudden you're sharing with them, like, you know, your kid throwing yeah. up all over you or getting sick everywhere. <laughs> the color I mean, of your kid's poop. And yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that weird? Like all of a sudden being a parent, it breaks down these barriers with other individuals. It does. And it's fantastic. It, it, you know, creates more camaraderie and, and trust. And, and you're absolutely right. It does open up for a whole new clientele as well. And, and the funny thing is, you know, I was, um, certified through ACE as a, as a prenatal specialist and, uh, you know, really thought I knew what I was doing and, and, you know, followed all the ACOG guidelines and everything, but it wasn't until I was pregnant and went through it that I really understood, um, what pregnancy does to your body and, and how you feel. Cause I kind of came in assuming it would be all sunshine and roses and on cloud nine. And I'd be just glowing on the treadmill and this miraculous thing happening. And then, um, and I actually, when I was pregnant with my son, I wrote this nine month plan that I was going to follow. I was really excited about it. And week seven, the nausea hit. And, the sickness <laughs> hit. and um, I remember this, I was, I was um, with TRX training in Bali and I wasn't sure if I had Bali belly or what. And we realized um, it was morning sickness, which morning sickness turns out to be all day sickness. And it's not always just in your first trimester. It can be an entire pregnancy. And, um, uh, and I basically crumpled up that workout and threw in the garbage can and realized the importance of understanding that every woman has a totally different pregnancy journey and to program for that and understand that. And some days you just are good if you can even get out of bed and go for a walk. And, and that's what I've, I've really learned. And I feel like some people help me to a standard of, well, you're this athlete. Why aren't you training this hard? And, and right now, I've, I've been fairly sick with this one, not as bad as the first one. Right now, my goal is get into the gym and exercise three times a week. If I can do that and then get for, out for walks just to stay physically active and, and make sure I have this healthy baby, then that's, that's a success. Well, did you feel that being active, I mean, so with, with your first kid, uh, Grayson, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with yeah. your first kid, Grayson, I mean, you stayed pretty active throughout the pregnancy. Did you, did you feel that helps you recover quicker or get back to activity once you got the green light? Oh, absolutely. And keep in mind, I wasn't as active as as I wanted to be. Um, But yes, of course, being active during pregnancy, being fit before pregnancy. I mean, just like any trauma your body goes through, um, you can bounce back a little bit quicker. And I do think that helped so much. I was able to recover from labor and delivery um, and, and return to athletics. I actually started competing right at that six week mark. Um, I competed in lumberjack sports that summer. And what's your advice? So if anybody's listening to this, if any woman is listening to this, and, and if you don't mind me asking, Shauna, how, how old were you for, your, for, for the first pregnancy? Cause for the, the first? Go ahead. Sorry. I was 35 for the first. So if you have any advice, I mean, so if, if somebody listened to this, maybe you know, it's a woman thinking about getting pregnant. Because my experience, some women kind of, especially who are in the fitness, might put it off because they're a little fearful about what might happen to their body. And Mm so do you have any advice or suggestions for any women who might be considering pregnancy but are afraid of how that might impact their fitness program? Oh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, it's 
totally different for everybody. Some women have magical pregnancies and, and are able to maintain all their levels of everything they've done all the way through. And that's fantastic. Um, some women do have to modify and understanding how to modify safely and, and what works for you is really important. But the cool thing is you can get your body back. Um, it's, it does take a little bit of time. Uh, we usually tell people, you know, just give it a year and spend that year focusing on being a mom and, and, and moving and finding things you enjoy. Uh, but the body does come back and, and you will be back to yourself and maybe even fitter than ever. Well, will they be able to compete as a lumberjill or lumberjack professional? They will absolutely be able to compete as a, I had, I had one of my best seasons last year, so it's very possible. <laughs> Did you win world champ again? I did not win, but okay. I, I was ended up being ranked third last year, which for my age is pretty awesome. That's hey, that's so, that's pretty that's yeah. pretty good, no matter what. And so now, with now that you're pregnant this time, how is it? So you're a couple years older now, and how are you feeling with this pregnancy? And and are you able to stay active? <laughs> Just keep rubbing it in. I'm a little older now, huh? No, no. I, but <laughs> the, the whole point. I mean, I go. I, I mean, the, the the demographic of this, Shauna, is. I I mean, look, my it. wife. My wife was 40 and 42 when yep. we had our kids. So I just want to be able I want, because I think I want, some people might be fearful that they might be a little bit older because, you know, doctors Mm -hmm. still don't know all this stuff. So they might tell you, don't, don't exercise. And and I know that's not said that much to women anymore, anymore. but no, I mean, but I just want to be able to, I want to assuage people's fears or concerns if they have any. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, about getting older and and being pregnant, um, that's kind of the thing now. Um, and, and. Obviously, you know, you need to be smart about your, your risk factors for extra, extra chromosomes and things like that. But women are doing so much more at, at later ages. A lot of women are deciding, you know what, I want to do this and this and this first, and then I want to have kids. And um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And again, as long as you take care of yourself and, and you are doing your regular prenatal doctor appointments and, and all of that, it's absolutely fine. And, um, I'm not going to lie though, the second one, and I don't know if it's cause it's my second one or because I am a little bit older, but, uh, my body definitely just kind of expanded into uh, full pregnancy mode this time a little bit faster. Um, but I'm still able to do everything I was able to do last time around and, um, still be fit, maybe not exactly where I'd like to be, but I know once again, once this pregnancy is over and um, I give myself a little bit of rest, I'll be able to be the athlete I was once again and um, have twice as much love at home with two kids. Well, and I've seen a couple of your videos. How uh, is Grayson see? Does Grayson understand what you and Peter do for for your profession? And, and how does do you do you think that has an influence on how active he is? Oh my gosh, it has been so much fun to watch this. Um, and I, I've got to give you an example from, from last night. So Gray comes to the gym with us all the time uh, because we both work there. So he sees people exercise all the time and, and he sees us take care of ourselves and, and exercise all the time and enjoy sports and love what we do. Um, and he always wants to exercise. And um, last night, you know, instead of wanting to go to bed, he really wanted to exercise. So we moved all the couches and everything out of the way. And uh, my husband, Peter, probably stole some stuff from animal flow, I think, but they did. (laughs) They spent about a half an hour doing like orangutan walks and fish flops and (laughs) alligator crawls and stuff. And the two of them were laughing so hard and they were both just totally out of breath and exhausted. And it was just one of the most awesome things to see just how much fun fitness can be. And to have a kid appreciate that at the age of two is, is just pretty awesome. So we're feeling pretty blessed. Well, I think kids pick up, they see that, they see the example. And, and I have two, I have two little girls. So I really, I, I'm very mindful uh, of the language that I use. Like I try not to mm-hmm. say, 
that that we're trying to lose weight or any of that nonsense. Yeah. I try to talk about being healthy. You know, they understand yeah. that mommy and daddy teach exercise because we want to be healthy. And I let my daughters pick up my kettlebells. I let them pick up my sandbags. No, I've seen videos. They're good at it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep. I try to keep it somewhat under control. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a little little curveball here. Not much of one. Broken Skull Ranch. Oh, what God, was that? To... Talk about that experience a little bit. <laughs> no, come I on. Don't... I think it's cool. No, absolutely. So um, shortly before I had Grace, and I wasn't pregnant quite yet, but uh, I applied for the show called Broken Skull Ranch with Steve Austin. And I I had no idea what I was getting into. From what I understood from the casting director, it was kind of like a Spartan race where we we're going to go through an obstacle course, stuff like that. And we were the very first female episode. So none of us really knew exactly what we we're going into. But it was treated as a full on reality show where we were sequestered to our hotel rooms and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden we meet. And then he basically says, all right, you and you, we we're me and this other girl were the first one to go. Um, and they basically said, beat the heck out of each other. Ready, go. <laughs> and um, it was the sandbag event and it was, it, we ended up, of course they cut it down to like a minute and a half on TV, but we went for 30 minutes wrestling each other, trying to drag the sandbag across an arena. And, um, she, uh, and I, I attribute to her, to her CrossFit background. Um, she finally was victorious and, um, it was, I've never been more exhausted, more beat up. I was bloody. I was, I scraped up. And then the sad thing is you have to go back into being sequestered once you get beat. So then I spent three days in my hotel room, like covered in bandages, just feeling sorry for myself. Oh, geez. So you couldn't even go out. <laughs> then, it was, then it was on TV, which is even funnier. But the really cool thing is we still, this girl and I still, and of course they make us trash talk to each other on TV. But in real life, she and I still talk almost every day, actually, because she she has a daughter and another one on the way. In fact, I think she's due like one day before me. So we, we turn everything into a competition. So now this is a competition to see who can get our baby. <laughs> um, and, and we've actually become really close and she's somebody I respect a lot. But that show was definitely not what I thought I was signing up for because I know nothing about wrestling. But it was a really cool experience. I was going to say, how was it? Cause, and I remember when you, when you posted that you're going to be on, I remember watching it and I mean, you gave, I mean, Shauna, you're, you're not a, you're a very petite woman and, and you're fit, but you, you just don't, you don't have a lot of size. You gave up a pretty good, if I remember, and it's been a while since I've seen the show, but I watched it when it was on, you were definitely at a disadvantage, at a physical disadvantage. And you lasted <laughs> 30 minutes. How exhausted were you that at was, the end of it? That the, and I hate to say this because I, I wish I could say this for like my world championship competitions and stuff, but that was the hardest, most exhausting 30 minutes of my entire life. And like I said, I spent the next three days in my hotel room with bandages on feeling really bad about myself. And I could, I felt like I was in a car accident basically, but it was exhausting and hard, but I was pretty proud that I had that much to give. So I really, as sad as I was, I didn't make it move on. Um, I was pretty pumped that I was able to pull that out from basically nowhere. So it was cool. Well, you have that in your background. Would you ever recommend anybody go on a show like that? I mean, what, what overall did you enjoy the experience? I always recommend trying cool, unique things. I think uh, every opportunity you can take, uh, you know, any open door you can take an advantage of, do it. And, and that's the cool thing about fitness is I personally, this is, I'm going to go on my soapbox for a second here. I personally don't think fitness should be about how you look and, um, focusing on what body fat percentage you are and, you know, getting into the size jeans. I really think fitness should be goal-based in terms of athletic goals and whether it be signing up for an event or planning an active vacation or, 
you know, again, that's, that's why CrossFit is so successful because it's all goal and community based. They're all um, trying to achieve a time goal and, and, and compete and, and supporting one another when they do that. And um, so same thing with things like silly things like these TV shows and stuff like that. Find all those awesome opportunities you can and take advantage of that and base your training around that rather than how you look. And you'll have so much more fun doing it. And the cool thing is you end up looking pretty good, too, when you have a cool athletic goal like that. Well, that's been my argument for years is you, you take the appearance out of it and you put performance in. And if you, cha- if you, if you train for performance, then everything else falls into place. And actually, you, you, said, that, you said that, Shauna. You're in Madison, Wisconsin, and this past year was the first year that the CrossFit – um, the CrossFit games were there. What was that yeah. experience like? Cause you wrote a couple, I saw you post a couple things about <laughs> that, but I mean, just, you're not in the, you're not in the CrossFit community per se. You're, that's not your day to day fitness existence, but you, you had a couple interesting th- comments just about observing that community. Oh, I sure did. Um, I started off thinking it was the most awful thing ever. Um, I thought, you know, oh, this is where people are going to get hurt. You know, why, why would people sign up for this and to get fit and, uh, and, you know, I, I didn't understand it. And I, I, I was, uh, way more judgmental than I should have been. And, and I'm the first one to get up and admit that now. And then over time, more and more people kept signing up for this thing. And, um, I found myself starting to kind of defend it because something must be working. The day that completely changed it was on Broken Skull Ranch. I was the only girl that wasn't a CrossFit athlete. And, um, uh, I learned so much from these girls and their training regimen and, and their passion for the sport. And, and what, what I needed them to do for me is instead of explaining it to me as a form of training, talk to me like it's a sport. And that's what made me really fall in love with it. And, and then I said, well, it's not fair at all for me to judge a sport based on injuries where I came from being a gymnast and a pole vaulter. I mean, if, if it's not a good idea to do a sport because you might get hurt, then, you know, why on earth did I do those yeah, sports? Gymnastics is, not, is, is a sport well known for its number of injuries, especially among young girls. Absolutely. And, and then when I, when I changed that perspective, um, I really gained an appreciation for it. The fact that you can treat it as a sport. Then I met some of the coaches and some of these coaches were unbelievably smart and really understood regressions and progressions and modifications. And then what I really love too is the community. And and that's something so important to keep people involved in fitness. You need to form a community and that's what these CrossFit boxes do. And what sealed the deal and my, my love for it, even though I still don't do it, I still don't participate in it, was going to the CrossFit games and I did some TRX demonstrations and how nice everybody was and how thankful they were for me. And none of them had any sort of elitist attitude. They just had an eagerness to learn and, um, and to coach well. And um, so I, I really completely did a, a, a 180 on, on my view on the sport. And I think there's, of course, just like any sport and any coach and any trainer, any teacher, any doctor, anybody, there's still some coaches who probably aren't very safe and you need to avoid. But um, but there's some really, really good places too. Well, and I think that's an important thing, Shauna, is, is anything done, any exercise done incorrectly could be, could be a concern for injury. And, and I've totally, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%, but I thought you had such a unique kind of outside looking in perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Now just do a quick gear shift as a mom, as a fitness professional, how, how, what suggestions do you have? I mean, you do, you tra- I don't know if you train mothers, but if you're, if you're speaking to a woman out there that has a kid or two kids and she's having a hard time finding time for exercise, what's some advice that you could share for her? Mm-hmm. And, and this can be easier said than done, but I'm a huge fan of making time for yourself. 
you absolutely have to. And that, that was the thing I struggled with most when my son was born, um, was my whole life. I had lived very selfishly and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but all of a sudden your life goes from being me, 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 how can I better myself to you're giving everything and then some to this little human who doesn't even smile at you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I'm so grateful. My husband, Peter did such a good job of, um, making sure I had at least an hour a day to get outside and walk. And when I was able to, he let me, he said, I got everything under control, go to the lake and log roll for a little bit, just so you can be back in your setting. And, uh, you know, I really feel that it's so important for women to do whatever it takes, whether it be find a fitness facility with a daycare or maybe find a fitness group like the, like stroller striders or something like that, where they can bring their kid along. Um, but really take the effort to take that time for yourself, because I think so many moms dive in and give and give and give and, and don't give themselves that time. And that just digs you into a deeper and deeper hole. That's very, I mean, I think it's really important. I think that's, you're right, it's easier said than done because I have seen that where mothers will get so focused on their kids and their families, but sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to put yourself first in order to be there, in order to be there for your family. Now, speaking of family, you you mentioned your mother had Huntington's disease, you know, and I know that's probably a tough subject, but you're also, you've been a very fierce advocate of it and you've gotten out there quite a bit. And I know, you know, just from seeing you on social media, You've been involved in some social awareness and you're involved with fundraising for Huntington's disease. Talk a little bit about, about that disease and what you've been doing on the fundraising side. Oh, thanks for asking about this, Pete. This is really important to me. Um, Huntington's disease has been the worst thing and also the best thing in my whole life. Uh, my mom was diagnosed when I was around five or six years old, as I, I said earlier. And it's a, it's a dominant genetic disorder, which means if you have a parent that has it, you have a 50% chance of also having this disease. It onsets usually in middle ages. There are some different forms of the disease, but in general, usually between about 30 and 50, the disease starts. Basically, it turns on. And from, from the point where it turns on, you have about 10 to 15 years um, as your body deteriorates, and then unfortunately, you pass away. It's just an awful disease because it takes away your cognitive abilities and also your physical abilities, too. And we didn't know about it because my mom was adopted. And so she started showing mm-hmm. these signs when I was little, and we we took her to the neurologist. Um, it was a much longer journey than this, but she found out she had Huntington's. So I grew up knowing that I was going to lose my mom and also knowing that I had a 50% chance of this being my fate as well. And, and I think that's where I came up, you know, with my open door policy. And, and obviously a lot of it has always been, both of my parents were always such positive influences, no matter what negative that thing happened in our life, they would turn it around and make it positive and, and turn it into some sort of opportunity. Even this whole Huntington's thing. I, I think a lot of people don't ever find their purpose in life. And my purpose was thrown in my lap. And that was to raise awareness for this disease and do whatever I can to raise money so that they can research for a cure. And they're, they're actually getting very close. Um, unfortunately, my mom passed away in um, 2013, shortly before our wedding. Um, but she actually lived much longer than most people do with Huntington's. And I really believe it's because of all the love and positivity she was surrounded with. Um, but then the, the good news is from there is, um, after our marriage, when we talked about having children, I decided to get tested and tested negative for the disease. So there will be absolutely no Huntington's disease in my life or, or my children's lives. 
And it's still my passion to raise awareness. And I host several different charity events, probably way too many. Um, but it uh, it makes me feel like I'm making a difference and, and leaving an impact on this world. If people if people want to find out more about that, is there is there a, a, an association or something you can direct them to? And I'll put it in there, the show notes. But I'm, I'll put it in the show notes. I think it's I've been touched by watching your you know by watching you comment on over the years and. And I think it's an important issue, and and there might be other people out there that might be dealing with this. And I think that's one of the one of the important things that you can do is just to raise awareness. So you can have a community or or you know, a coalition of people working for the same goal. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, the Huntington's Disease Society of America, HDSA.org, and people can also find more information on my website, Shauna Verstegen, S H A N A V E R S T E G E N dot com. And I blame that last name on my husband. It used to be Mark. <laughs> way easier <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll have links to both those in the show notes below now as we wrap up here uh explain daddy airways what's that oh daddy explain, oh, da- daddy airways or daddy airlines explain daddy airlines oh i i'm so lucky so my dad has been just the, i mean i've already mentioned him several times and turning so many negative things in our lives positive and, and making things positive and he's always been a fan of doing the things you want to do and, and never say no to opportunities. And he was a professional skydiver when he was in college. Oh, wow. He's such a nerd now. It's just so funny to imagine him being a pro skydiver, putting on shows and stuff like that. And he began piloting then because they needed a pilot for their team too. And um, after my mom passed away, he needed a hobby. And so he went to the local airport and got recertified as a pilot. And now that's his thing is he hangs out with a bunch of guys who just like to fly airplanes around at different places. And, um, if I have to teach a continued education course somewhere close by, then I get to fly daddy airlines and his tiny little Cessna. Oh, does he uh, have like a 152 or a 172? Oh, I don't know. You, you have to ask him that. Okay, I don't know. Right. It's a small airplane. Yeah. <laughs> if you have motion sickness problems, you probably don't want to fly. Uh, but it's so much fun because, you know, my dad will pick me up at like six in the morning and, and we get to have a fun little daddy daughter adventure to wherever I'm going to teach my course. And he'll hang out at the airport and talk with the other pilots. And, and then I'll meet him when I'm done teaching and we'll fly home. Well, when I was in my, when I was in my early twenties, uh, before marriage in, in Los Angeles, one of my, the guys I played rugby with was an Australian guy because it's, it's much easier to get an airline uh, a private pilot license here in the States than it is in Australia, but the U.S. license does transfer down there. Well, he got his pilot's license, and that was our, that was our uh, line in the bars on a Friday night was, hey, you want to go for a flight on Saturday afternoon? And, nice. um, well, let's just say it was, it was a fun way. It was, it was, I was like 23, 24 playing rugby in L.A., and, uh, yeah, we had some fun with that. But we would just okay. do touch and goes. We'd leave uh, Santa Monica Airport and go mm-hmm. down to Palomar. But honestly, Shauna, the first time, I haven't told this story in a while, the first time I'm in the plane with him is this little small Cessna. We're leaving from Torrance Airport. And if anybody's ever been around Torrance Airport, it's it's a small field, uh, you know, civil field south of Los Angeles. But on one side of it is a, I believe, a Chevron oil refinery with these big, huge oil tanks. And so we're oh. pulling up. We're maybe 200, you know, 200 meters in the air. And my, my buddy goes, hey, Mike, pick up the pick up the wheel and just keep the nose up. I need to check the map for a second. And I'm sitting there, I had no idea what to do. And I'm like, he has me, you know, piloting the Cessna up. And I'm just, I can picture the headline, you know, small plane crashes into oil field. And South, you know, South LA burns. But uh, yeah, no, it was definitely, it was a fun experience. And, and I, well, yeah. for all of us, I'm so grateful you didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just, but it's one of those things. I, and I've always wanted to get my, you know, civil, uh, my civil license, but I'll be a little bit older when my kids get older. Sean, I really mm-hmm. appreciate the time to speak with you. And I really appreciate, um, 
the advice you've shared. And I think, I don't know if I've told you this, but you're on my short list. I have a list of, uh, of women I know, kick-ass women. Not that my no. wife isn't kick-ass because she is pretty <laughs> kick-butt. But, you know, you're on my short list as, as, uh, of people I need to go send my daughters to spend a summer with to learn how to be, uh, learn how no. to be, learn how to be awesome. But just as you well, wrap, as you wrap sorry. up, anything to share on, on just advice on about how to fit fitness in and make a priority when you're also, you know, taking care of your family? Well, I think I covered it. You have to find what you love and you have to make time for yourself, not focusing on aesthetics, but, uh, Focus on on goals and activities and involving your family if you need to, but make it fun and and be smart about it. Cool. Well, Shauna, I really appreciate the time, and I'll have some information about about you and about Huntington's disease in the show notes. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. What an honor. Thank you so much. Pete. So, how many professional lumberjack athletes do you know? You know, as someone who, uh, I'm a city kid. You know, I grew up in uh, suburban areas. I've always lived in suburban areas. And I have to admit, my, the closest thing I've ever gotten to lumberjacking or anything like that is watching it on ESPN2. I think it's fascinating that that sport or, or that competition exists. And you could hear that she's just a very vibrant, dynamic young lady. And I meant it. You know, I really did. I look at some of, of the cool women I know in the fitness industry they really are just, they're, they're intelligent, they're smart, they really have a lot to add. And as someone who has a couple of young daughters, I look to these women as role models for how I want my daughters to be. And Shauna definitely fits that bill. One of the main reasons why I want to have Shauna on, well, two reasons. One, obviously we got Mother's Day and she, you know, being a mom and being pregnant, I wanted her to give listeners some insight into just that world of, of how people like her stay fit. I mean, she has been a fitness competitor. She's done a number of different things. And, and I know for you know, nobody, it's tough for everybody to make time for exercise, right? Especially when we got other stuff going on. So I thought she could share some good insights, give you some good suggestions, and help you maybe think of a few ways to do things, do things a little bit differently. But two, the other reason why I wanted to have her on is I've, you know, following her on social media. I've been, been seeing what she's been posting about Huntington's disease. Obviously, she's been severely and personally affected by it. And I wanted to, you know, with this podcast, I wanted to be able to give her a voice, be able to give her a little bit of a platform to try to help just, if not raise any money, at least raise awareness. I, I really think that, you know, as I get a little bit more mature and I see friends, you know, I've had some, you know, some close family friends, you know, you know we passed due to illness and I've seen it affect uh, other people. And knock on wood, I've been extremely fortunate with my family that that we haven't been affected yet. So when I see, you know, when I see friends, when I see colleagues that maybe be in that situation, I wanted to see what I can help, you know, not just, you know, give a few dollars, but also to help spread that word and raise awareness. So I'm, I'm going to have a link down below in the show notes for Huntington's disease. You could check it out. You could not check it out. Maybe, maybe you have family or friends that are afflicted with it what I want to do with this is just be able to raise awareness and help people realize that, you know what, if you have your health, if you have your fitness, if you can move, if you can spend time with the ones you love, you're very lucky. So why not share some of that good fortune or, or at least be, you know, be cognizant of that and be able to share that with your friends. You know, it really is, you know, to get back to a positive mood, it really is a lot of fun getting to know um, different people like Sean. I've like I said, we've known each other. We're not super close. But it's really interesting to see kind of a peek behind the curtain and see what she's like. 
And it really is, you know, whatever you enjoy doing, just do it. Be regular at it. Be consistent. You know, exercise, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to do a certain type of exercise. If you want to learn how to log roll, by all means, learn how to log roll. But, you know, you don't need to do that to stay in shape. What you need to find is something that you enjoy doing, whether that's by yourself, with friends, or with your family. And that is a real key to, to, to happiness is, you know, or that's the real key to fitness, I guess. Fitness gives you freedom. Being fit gives you choices for how you can live your life. And in my mind, as you've heard me share before, it doesn't really matter what you look like. Just do you have the energy to get out and enjoy the things that you love doing? Can you play with your kids? Can you spend time with your family? That's the gift that fitness can give you. If you have any suggestions or comments on, on who I should have on as guests, please feel free to reach out to me. Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. I try to return them um, as, as quickly as I can. Sometimes I get delayed with that. I have some really cool guests coming up. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So thanks for stopping by this episode of All About Fitness. If you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is PeteMcCall underscore fitness. That's PeteMcCall underscore fitness on Instagram. And my Twitter tag is PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness. Thanks for stopping by All About Fitness. I look forward to having you join me.